Welcome to Suspending the Rules, Bloomberg Government's weekly look at what's happening in Congress. Hi there, I'm Adam Taylor. And I'm Adam Shank. And this is Suspending the Rules, a podcast from the Bloomberg Government Legislative Analyst Team. Fiscal year 2019 started this week, and we're commemorating that new year with a look at appropriations. We'll also take a look at the Compromise Federal Aviation Administration reauthorization bill that the House passed last week. Before we dive in, though, Adam, this is our first episode. Why don't we tell the people a little bit about who we are and what it is we're doing here. So I think the short answer to that is um, we're the Bloomberg government legislative analyst team. And the joke that we always make is that we're the people who read the bills. So every week, we're going to take a look at some of the major pieces of legislation that are on the House floor, sort of what is in those bills and sort of the debates around them. So uh, as we go through the next little bit here, we're going to talk about appropriations, what's coming up in the lame duck, a bunch of other issues ranging from the farm bill, probably bring in some other people from Bloomberg government to talk a little bit about the elections as well. So we should have a pretty good variety of things uh, for you guys to listen to as we go through here the next few weeks. First up is, of course, appropriations. On Friday, President Donald Trump signed a second spending package for fiscal 2019, putting a big check mark next to five of the 12 annual appropriations bills. This one provides full year funding to the defense, labor, HHS, and education departments. It also extends funding for other federal agencies through December 7th with a continuing resolution that allowed House members to leave town and hit the campaign trail. Shank, what are what are some of the in- implications of this uh, CR? So there's an interesting debate here because it, at the same time, it, it makes things easier and more difficult for right. Congress to sort of wrap up the end of the year and outstanding spending bills. Some of the larger ones that are very controversial, or at least have been controversial in the past, have kind of made it over the hump in the first two minibus packages, and that's the health bill, which because of Obamacare has been sort of a magnet for controversy with abortion riders, riders related to gun research, and a number of other issues. But then you also have the energy bill, which recently has been more controversial because of environmental policies. Those ones were resolved in the first two minibuses. And then in the there's a third minibus under consideration, which has four measures in it. It's the agriculture FDA bill, the financial services bill, the interior environment bill, and the transportation housing and urban development bill. And three of those four are are usually pretty easy. The financial services bill, which we'll talk to Michael about in a second, has been sort of a a sticking point and it has been very controversial as Republicans have used it for a vehicle to try to take shots at Dodd-Frank. We'll get into some of those controversial issues right now. We're joined by our fellow legislative analyst, Noreen Chowdhury. Hi. And Michael Smallberg. Hello. Noreen, the Commerce Department is ramping up for its decennial census in 2020. There's been controversy around it, though, not so much with the funding level, but a question on citizenship status that the Trump administration is pushing to include. I know there's been debate in both chambers of Congress about this provision. What's in the bills? So back in December 2017, the Justice Department sent a letter to the Census Bureau asking them to reinstate the citizenship question, and this was last done in 1950. The thought process was to really collect data to protect against racial discrimination and voting practices. The issues that it raises up here is that 
usually non-citizen residents tend to respond at lower rates to questions about citizenship than residents who are U.S. citizens. So this is particularly concerning for Latinos, Blacks, and Asians. And the second issue is that there is a growing movement on the far right that people are trying to exclude undocumented immigrants from being counted for redistricting purposes. Right now, there's nothing exclusively, explicitly in the Senate or House bill, but the House in the House report, Democrats have expressed concern. And, and they even proposed an amendment that would strike the question. Yeah, right? Representatives Jose Serrano and Grace Meng introduced an amendment that was rejected. The Justice Department is also included in the CJS bill, and they also have an immigration-related, I guess, controversy that's around their bill. The department has set a quota for immigration judges to close a certain number of cases each year. What's going on with that provision? So each immigration judge would now be expected to clear 700 cases a year to receive satisfactory performance ratings. And in addition, penalties would be given to judges that refer too many cases to higher courts. So they'd have to handle about three cases a day, not just handle dispense with three right. cases a day. Yeah. And right now the average is about 680 cases. So that's raising it a bit more. I guess the intent was to, you know, speed up deportations and clear a backlog of cases that are right now about 600,000. So there's been significant pushback from, you know, the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights and lawyers across the country because what this does, it affects judges, their decision making, because now they're governed by this idea that they have to do a certain number of cases to get a satisfactory rating. And in addition, there would be a number of incorrect deportations. So in addition to hitting having to hit their numbers, the, the bill also includes, I think, funding for additional judges? Yeah. So the Senate funding would allow for 75 additional judges, and the House would allow for 100 more. So with that, let's turn to financial services and the elephant in the room, which is the Homeland Security Bill. Michael, Democrats have balked at the White House's demands for additional border wall funding. What's the status of wall funding, and, and where is the Homeland Security Bill sort of generally? Yeah, so wall funding is the critical question in the Homeland Security bills. Uh, These bills have been approved by the House and Senate Appropriations Committees, but they have not gotten a floor vote yet in either chamber. The House's bill would provide $1.6 billion for that border wall, but there are some strings attached. It would be for only 65 miles um, of pedestrian fencing. The administration could not use that funds for some of the new concrete wall prototypes that President Trump has requested. The Senate would provide a more open-ended pot of money. Appropriators said it would support about $5 billion for some 200 miles uh, of new barrier construction. So again, the key question here is not only how much money, but what do we mean by a border wall? And are there some strings attached and some restrictions on the type of of construction? Is there anything else in the bill that could pose a challenge to it sort of getting across the finish line? I know that the Homeland Security bill, the CGS bill that we just talked about with Noreen, and then the the bill to fund the State Department and foreign operations are the sort of three outstanding ones. What else is in the Homeland Security bill that might get in the way? Another big issue I would watch is the policy provisions. For example, in the House bill, there are provisions that would give a one-year reprieve to DACA recipients. It would also include provision to limit family separations at the border. Uh, Again, keep in mind, both the House and Senate have not been able to advance sweeping immigration measures. So I I would expect this Homeland Security funding bill to be the source of a big fight about some of those outstanding immigration issues. Another key area to watch um, would be Coast Guard funding. There's a big push to get a new heavy polar icebreaker. This is a big issue for the Coast Guard, for the shipbuilding industry as a way for the U.S. to assert its uh, economic 
economic and, and military presence in the Arctic region. The Senate's bill would provide $750 million for that new icebreaker. Uh, the House's bill would not provide any money. So that's another sticking point. Unlike Homeland, the financial services bill is kind of receded from the spotlight this year and until the last week or two had even been seen as an easier than usual lift. What, why is that? Yeah, I, I think past years we'd seen this bill as a big vehicle to undo a lot of the Dodd-Frank financial reforms. There maybe isn't quite as much urgency this time around because you have Trump appointees in place at a lot of those regulatory agencies who can slow roll or undo a lot of the regulations without Congress having a say in the matter. So Congress doesn't really have to die on the Hill in undoing those regulations. But there there has been some controversy. It sounds like it might even be holding up the, the last minibus. Yeah, um, BGov's Jack Fitzpatrick reported last week they might even strip this bill from that minibus in order to, to move it forward. There are still some sticking points over financial provisions in, in the bill. But remember, this, this also goes beyond the financial services industry to, to general government. So for example, the Senate's bill would provide a 1.9% pay raise for federal employees, obviously a big issue for our listeners in the D.C. area. Um, President Trump actually wanted to cancel that automatic pay increase. So that's going to be a big sticking point. I mean, we could also even see some fights over some riders that would try to undo measures in the District of Columbia, for example, D.C. bills that would allow eligible patients to receive life-ending medication or D.C.'s version of health care individual mandate. So these are going to be some of the big fights we see in that financial services and general government bill. Well, uh, thanks, Michael and Noreen. Uh, we'll be right back to talk about FAA. The Federal Aviation Administration would be reauthorized through fiscal 2023 under a compromise worked out by House and Senate negotiators. The House passed the bill last week, and we're awaiting Senate action in the near future. Joining us to break it down are legislative analyst Sarah Babbage. Hello. And BGov transportation reporter Sean Courtney. Hi, thanks for having me. The most noticeable thing in this bill for a lot of people will be some of the consumer protection items that could actually affect their in-flight experience. I know seats is the one that everyone seems to be talking about first. Sarah, what's going on with that? So the bill would require the transportation department to determine the minimum passenger seat size that's necessary for safety. So hopefully that means that we'll be getting larger seats. They'll find that the dimensions need to be bigger so people can evacuate the planes. But I guess there's nothing stopping the transportation department from finding that seat sizes are um, already perfectly safe. So we'll see where that goes. Or maybe smaller seat sizes are, are perfectly safe as well. Let's hope not. God forbid. Another thing that's in there is the once you get on the plane, you're staying on the plane. There was the, the viral video of the, the guy in Chicago who was forcibly removed. What does the bill do regarding that? Exactly as you said, once you've had your boarding pass scanned, airlines can't remove you. So uh, once you're getting onto the plane, you cannot be forcibly removed. And that, as you said, responds to a viral video of a man who had been beaten on a, a plane, I believe it was in Chicago. And that's just one of several provisions that we see in this bill that respond to things that have kind of gone viral on the internet. Another one of those things, the, the famous emotional support peacock, and this bill would potentially do away with, with such exotic emotional support animals? 
Yes, it does put um, exotic emotional support animals in peril. So there have been just stories on the internet of increasingly exotic animals that people are bringing on planes under the guise of emotional support animals. And the measure would require the transportation department to set a rule on what service animals are and it would direct the transportation department to consider using the definition that the Justice Department uses in the Americans with Disabilities Act, and that is limited to dogs. So that would be a big change from uh, right now. But at the same time, airlines have actually already been kind of restricting the kinds of animals that people can bring on planes. So it may not be that big of a change. So this is the first agreement since uh, the last one expired in, in 2015. There have been a handful of sort of short-term patches and and other measures to sort of keep the FAA rolling along. But Sean, what's been the holdup to get a long-term agreement? There's been a range of issues. The The biggest one the past few years has been a provision that would have spun off air traffic control into a private entity. And that was something that was really advocated for by Chairman Bill Schuster of the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. And it was something that he had been pushing for for years. He, he ultimately decided to drop it. This is his last year as chairman, his last year in Congress, and ultimately decided he just wanted to get a bill passed. And so took that provision out of the bill, and the House is able to actually pass their own bill back in April. Uh, and then since then, they've now coordinated with the, the Senate to write a new bill, which the House has also passed. So now they've passed two FAA bills this year. The Senate has passed two extensions. So uh, aside from the air traffic control issue, were there other things that were holding up the bill? There were. Uh, for a while, Senator John Thune from South Dakota, he is the chairman of the, tra- the Commerce and Transportation Committee. He had wanted to change the number of flight hours that are required for a co-pilot in certain classifications of airlines. Uh, the argument was that there is a shortage of pilots or there is a there's soon to be a shortage of pilots and that this requirement that they have a certain number of hours in the air is just too onerous and that it's meaning that, that there's a cut in service to smaller air, uh, airports. And, and as somebody who's from South Dakota, that was something that worried him. But he ultimately also decided to drop that provision from his bill because he, he got a lot of pushback from Senator Chuck Schumer from New York. The 1500 hours rule was created because of a deadly plane crash that happened in um, in Schumer's home state. With a bill this that, that's obviously moving and it's kind of must pass, which the FAA reauthorization is at this point, there's going to be a lot that rides along with it. What else beyond the FAA is, is in this bill? So I think that one of the biggest things that's in, still in the transportation world is giving the Homeland Security Department and Justice Department the authority to monitor and potentially intercept drones that are dangerous and are imperiling their facilities or their missions. And that could be kind of intercepting them by disrupting their communication signal or some sort of maybe physical takedown. It's not really clear yet. They'll have to continue developing that technology. But that's something is, they've really been pushing for. And it's an authority that exists in some other departments right now, right? Yeah, the Defense Department and um, the Energy Department have some limited authority over that now. Yeah, drones are, are a big part of this bill. They've become such a thing in the past few years, and obviously we haven't had an actual bill um, since 2015, just a bunch of extensions, so they haven't had the opportunity to create any kind of legislative framework, really, uh, or, or have a vehicle to pass it through. There's also a provision that requires even like hobbyist uh, drone owners to, to register and have a certain baseline understanding 
happening at the airspace because um, there is con- increasing concern that drones are going to be taking over our airspace and that amateurs will just be flying them around and, and you know there's security and safety concerns with that. Drones in the air and scooters on the streets. Yes, indeed. So aside from the drone issue, what else is there in this bill that that's catching a ride that isn't necessarily transportation related? So there are sections of the bill that would reauthorize the Transportation Security Administration. There's changes to how disaster aid is provided. There's some pretty unrelated things to transportation, like reorganization of OPIC, the Overseas Private Investment Corporation, and USAID, just reorganizing their functions. So so lots of different things hitching a ride here, and primarily things that the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee or the Senate Commerce Committee have jurisdiction over. Yeah, it's this the last train out of the station, as they're saying, or, or a Christmas tree. There's lots of great puns that you get when you're covering congressional action. But the uh, self-driving car bill that has been advancing in the House and the Senate did not ultimately make it on this. And that's one thing that a lot of people, I think, were pushing to include. Yeah, it was increasingly looking like it wasn't going to happen because they hadn't found any kind of compromise on that. And the two sides, more of like a consumer protection side and then a um, you know business commerce oriented side, um, were just not coming to um, to an agreement. And so I asked uh, Senator Thune one day, you know, what's what's going on? It doesn't seem like that's likely to happen if, if you're trying to actually get this thing passed. And he said, yeah, we're just we're just not there yet. It could probably happen before the end of the year, but it's not going to catch a ride on this bill. Something to look for in the lame duck. Sean Courtney, Sarah Babbage, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. That's episode one in the books. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Suspending the Rules. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. Find out more about the topics we discussed today and a whole lot more from Bloomberg government at about.bgov.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at bgov. The legislative analyst team is Sarah Babbage, Noreen Chowdhury, Daniel Parnas, Michael Smallberg, and me, Adam Taylor. Our editor is Adam Shank. Nico Anzalata is our sound engineer. Our theme music is Home Organ by Zach Nasita. More information can be found at premiumbeat.com.